Hey everyone, this is Dave Debo with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, it is my pleasure to be interviewing a very experienced, astute serial entrepreneur and real estate investor, Chris Rude, all the way from today from Florida, but originally from Louisiana. How are you doing today, Chris? Hey man, I'm doing good. I'm in uh, sunny Pensacola, Florida by the beach, so I, I can't complain. Well, that sounds a lot nicer than freezing cold chilly, beautiful British Columbia in the middle of January, I tell you that, but that's that's great. So if you haven't had the pleasure of meeting or hearing about Chris yet, which you probably will because he's pretty big on the whole social media thing and he hangs out with people like Grant Cardone and all sorts of good stuff. A little bit about Chris's background, very interesting fellow. Pretty young guy, Chris, compared to me, you're only 38. He's been married for 20 years, got five kids, serial entrepreneur, all sorts of different kinds of real estate investing, an $18 million portfolio with all kinds of stuff, including mobile home parks and apartments. And, and he's definitely a specialist when it comes to wholesaling, which is what we're probably going to be talking about mostly on today's call. So Chris, tell us, first of all, how did you get into this whole crazy world of real estate investing in the first place? Man... Somebody gave me Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? Robert Kiyosaki probably um, 10 years ago. Yeah. And eight years ago. Well, let me back up. Before I even read that, I flipped my... When I was 22 years old, I arbitrarily by chance flipped my first house and made 125000 That was my first yeah. taste. So nice. that was by luck of the gods, the real estate gods, bless me. It was a fluke. So what happened after you remember Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans in 2005? Yeah. Well, I live in Lafayette, just east or just west of New Orleans, about two and a half hours. Well, when Hurricane hit Katrina hit New Orleans, it dislocated all these people, right? So they went to Baton Rouge, Lafayette, Houston, Atlanta. And this is 2005. The real estate market's already hot. And that's like right before the big 07 crash. So it's yeah. booming already. And we had a big influx of people come into Lafayette. And I had just built a house probably four or five years. Well, you know, two and a half, three years before that, I built a little spec house and I'd paid my land off cash, built a little, it was a small, nothing special spec house. But every year, like I saw, like my house kept getting worth more and more and more from appreciation. And then once everybody moved to like from New Orleans got displaced, like we didn't have any housing. So it made our houses like almost increase another 20% in a year. It was crazy. So I was like, I told my wife, I was like, we got to, we got to flip our house. Like we got to sell our house. We can make a lot of money. So I, been watching some of those HGTV shows back then. I was like, got me all excited. So I painted a few rooms, put some landscaping, put a sign in the front yard, and I sold it within 30 days and made 120 some thousand. That was my first taste of real estate. At the time, I had an on site oil change and mechanic shop that I had started while I was in college. I was making 100 grand a year doing that out of the back of my truck prior to that and wanted to scale that into shops because I knew I couldn't, I could only scale me driving around meeting somebody so fast. So I took that 128,000. And I invested it into a quick lube car wash mechanic shop. Uh, not a car, it wasn't a car wash yet. This is just a, a quick lube and a mechanic shop. At the time, I had, well, I had still had one location already I'd rented. This helped me scale into two locations. And from there, I was like, man, you can make a lot of money in real estate. So I, I went and the next house I bought, actually, let me back up. I bought a piece of land on the bayou. If you don't know a bayou, it's not a river. It's not a creek. It's like a muddy channel of water that runs through Louisiana. Those are desirable in Louisiana. I flipped that. I made 30 grand real quick. Took that money, 
use that to actually buy some more equipment for one of my shops. Then I bought a pre-foreclosure, fixed that up, lived in that for 18 months, flipped that, made 60000 bought another shop. So that was you kind of- real estate to fund your entrepreneurial- Yes, that's exactly right. I used real estate flipping houses to fund my quick lube mechanic shop and auto glass business that I had. And I had from using real estate, I bought all kinds of shops and I, I had the biggest all change independent mechanic shop in all of Lafayette where I lived. I had four locations with 33 employees. I was 25, 26 years old, doing pretty well. Make sure I was making, you know, three, 400 grand a year as a young 20 year old. I was doing well for myself. So Kind of forgot about real estate, but that was my first taste of real estate before I actually read Rich Dad Poor Dad. So once I had four locations, I was busy with, you know, turning wrenches, changing all, managing a bunch of people. And I stopped doing real estate and focused on that. So I did that for a couple of years, made a lot of money, took that money. And that's around the same time I read Rich Dad Poor Dad. I was like, I'm going to invest in some buying holds. And took the money I made, bought a bunch of buying holds. Well, this is like 2000. 11 2012 i bought like three million dollars worth of single family homes leveraged it out and the economy was actually we were booming in louisiana because we had the oil and gas industry but a lot of people in the u.s was still kind of down but the you guys is 2008 was and I'm, i know i'm going all over the place i have so much information to go you guys is 2008 was not our 2008 in, in louisiana we were insulated because we had the oil the barrel of oil was a hundred and something dollars during the crash so Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, all the oil states were still doing good during 2008. So our 2008 was not the same. Like our 2008 in Louisiana and Texas was 2014 when oil went from $128 a barrel to $28 a barrel. So in 2014, I almost lost my shirt. I bought $3 million worth of single family homes from 2012, 2014 at 80 cents on the dollar, making a ton of offers on MLS. And was doing good doing that until we had the crash and literally half of my houses I bought went vacant because most of the people renting them were all field workers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Half of them went vacant. My shops that I owned, I had four locations, 33 employees started losing sales every quarter because all field companies were either going bankrupt, moving out of town, moving to Texas, laying off people. So I like literally lost my business. Not, I didn't lose it, but it, I was losing sales. Yeah. And on top of that, the single family homes I had, we're all vacant. So right around that same time, I, um, I got into wholesaling. And if you know what wholesaling is, it's the art of finding heavily discounted off-market properties for motivated sellers. Well, if you got a crash, you don't th- there's going to probably be a lot of motivated off-market properties for motivated sellers, right? So long story short, 50,000-foot view, I got into wholesaling at the same time that the economy crashed. My other businesses were tanking. I was losing money with the rentals and my shops. But I got into wholesaling and I freaking slaughtered it, like made a killing. And I was able to cover all my losses. And that's kind of what happened with me. That's my. Well, that's, that is, that's a very, very cool story. So, so folks that, that aren't very familiar with wholesaling, and yes, it does work up here in Canada, you guys. So listen close. Maybe just give us a, a run through of what does a wholesaling deal look like to you? So what a wholesaling deal is, basically, like I said, it's a, it's a professional marketing business for one. That's all it is. We're marketing for motivated sellers. And when I say motivated sellers, I mean people with problems like they either went through a divorce, they uh, got a job transfer, they're getting behind their bills, they made a lot of bad decisions, maybe they're on drugs. I mean, you see all kind of throughout the whole gamut of people that need to sell their property fast for cash. Right. So I'm, I teach people how to market directly to these people to find or a tired landlord. Maybe it's a landlord has been owning properties for 20 years. He's old. He's burnout. 
his house is a distress. He doesn't want to deal with it no more. He's willing to take a huge discount on his property to make his headache go away. So I show students how to market to these people, get their houses under contract that say, let's just say, let's give round numbers. They got a property full retail is worth hundred grand. This landlord is burnt out. The property needs $20,000 worth of work to even get it livable. And you offer him, say, $50,000, and he's been having his property for 20 years. It's paid off free. He's like, Chris, you know what? I'll take your 50000 Thanks for getting me out of my headache. I get it under contract for 50000 with an assignable contract. Then I go around and I market that contract to a cash buyer, an investor, for, say, sixty-five to seventy, or let's just call it 60000 I assign my rights to the contract from 50 to 60 to him. So he gets it for 60. He gives me a $10,000 assignment fee. He's got a property for 60,000. He puts 20,000 into it. He's into it for 80 and it's worth a hundred. So he's got a property for 80 cents on the dollar. Then the motivated seller wins because he gets out of his property. I win because I make 10,000 and the end buyer who's the investor gets a good off market property with some equity. All right. Well, that's a great explanation. And, and people that aren't familiar with the business might be thinking, well, why doesn't the seller just list it with a realtor? A lot of people don't want to list it with a realtor because it's speed, right? And time. They don't want, for one, there's so many different reasons. Like for one, a lot of people are embarrassed. Like I, I buy a lot of houses from people that the houses are really messed up and they're embarrassed. Uh-huh. And they don't want anybody to know how messed up the house is. They, on the they don't want to have to stage it or be showing it to potential. Exactly. Members. They may have dog urine and, and they have cats and dogs and it's just, or they're hoarders or they're, you know, there's all kind of stuff or they don't want, maybe they just got a divorce. You know, I've seen this happen a lot. The, the wife finds out the husband's cheating and they, they, they all friends with the neighbors and they don't want the whole neighborhood to know that the house is for sale. So they want a quick sale to where they sell it and they just have to move out and nobody knows their business. There's a number of different reasons. So if before you say, well, Chris, why would they let you, you know, that's kind of taking advantage of people. You know, why, why wouldn't they just list it with a realtor and get full retail? Not everybody cares about the money. I get this all the time. Like realtors bashing me. Were you an yeah. ambulance chaser? You're this, like, listen, not everybody's worried about the money. I lost $40,000 in a deal this year because I had a tenant that trashed my house and I didn't want it. I didn't want to deal with it. I said, you know what? I sold it to another guy. It was a great deal for him. I lost $40,000 just to get out of it, right? So it tells you that not everybody- You the motivated seller. I was a motivated seller, right? Tables are turned. So it's a number of different reasons. Maybe they're in a time crunch, like they have to sell their property within two weeks and they can't take the risk of putting it on MLS with a realtor and, you know, it not selling. Or a lot of times it's just the house is too distressed, like it needs everything, right? It's so dated that- house is totally destroyed or semi-destroyed it just wouldn't sell well or, or show good on mls all right well that makes sense so chris way back in the day when i first got into real estate investing i was looking for motivated sellers as well i wasn't doing well actually i did do a few assignments but doing some other creative strategies and you know back in those days it was bandit signs it was vehicle signage it was tear tab signs in the convenience store. It was I buy houses, tent business cards all over the place. It was ads on Craigslist. It was ads in the newspaper for crying out loud. All these kind of things. What are you finding works better these days or what works these days for finding these motivated sellers? Whatever you actually do and do it <laughs> well, because it all works. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've done it all. I've done direct mail. I've done banded signs, do Facebook ads. I've done cold calling. I've done it. All works. It's just a matter of how deep and how thorough are you going to push into that marketing channel to dig deep enough to get motivated sellers. Now, with that said, are there channels that are more productive? Maybe. Yeah, productive. I'm looking for the right word. Yeah, that's a great word. Productive than others that I recommend. Yes, but here's the thing: every market is going to react different to different marketing channels. I'm in six different markets in four states. Facebook ads doesn't work that well in, in Baton Rouge versus direct mail works better in Lafayette or you know cold calling works better in Panama City or PPC works better in Mobile versus you know Bandit Sign. So you have to split test, measure, and adapt and change to your market. There's not one thing. It's not a universal thing like, oh, if Bandit Signs work in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, that does not mean Bandit Signs are going to work in Mobile, Alabama. So basically, you need to kind of look at what the whole gamut of different options are and test yeah. and see what's going to work best in your Split market. Test. I talked about this in my book. Pick up my book, thesourceofthedeal.com. A free copy of ebook is thesourceofthedeal.com. I talk about this. You got to split test, measure, adapt, and change to the different markets that you're in. That's the only way. Now, but if you're just getting started and you have a low budget, what you need to do is you need to start with a you know one or two marketing channels. I started my whole business with banded signs. Like I love banded signs. Now you, you sometimes get in some trouble with banded signs with the local municipality. Hey, that's why they're called banded signs, right? <laughs> right. But it's better to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission, right? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> so if you're on a budget, banded signs is great. Drive them for dollars where you go around and look for distressed properties, write down their address or go door knock them or put a door hanger or write them a letter. Listen, you got to hustle in this business. Like it ain't, if you don't have a lot of money, you're going to have to, you have to spend, you know, your hustle muscle, right? Yeah. You know, you're going to have to put some elbow grease into it. Now, if you have money and you're doing well, like I am, I spend a lot of money to generate my own leads. Like I do a lot of direct mail. I do a lot of Facebook ads, PPC, SEO. I do a lot of these different things that work now that I don't have to spend my time. I still do bandit signs, but if I were a young whippersnapper doing it all over again, I mean, you can't beat bandit signs. Nice. You got to put a bunch of them out there though. They don't, you can't go put five and say, man, why it's not working? No, yeah. like you need to go put out like 500. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you a question, Chris, and forgive my, my ignorance. I'm not sure of the, the market size of, of some of the places that you're in. And I know you've got a lot of students all over the place as well. What's kind of the, the smallest area that you've seen wholesaling work reasonably well in? Like market, market size. The smallest area? The smallest yeah. area I wholesale in right now is probably... Um, the smallest city would probably be Panama City Beach, Florida. There's only 160,000 people there. But I'm actually, I'm in Pensacola. I wholesale and flip throughout the whole panhandle of Florida. Yeah. But that's the smallest city that I wholesale is Panama. I'm from Lafayette, Louisiana. I do a lot of deals in Lafayette and Baton Rouge. Lafayette's got probably a quarter of a million people. Baton Rouge is 800, 700, 800,000. So Mobile, Alabama is six, 700,000. I'm in Biloxi. Well, you know, in Biloxi, Mississippi, in those areas are smaller areas too. But the minimum... I mean, I wouldn't go wholesale in a spot that's got 10,000 people in some rural area. You need at least, I mean, to make a dent, you would need at least 80, 100,000 people. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of or what I was thinking. Again, population size, very different in the States yeah. versus Canada. That's for sure. We're one-tenth the population of you guys. Right. So, yeah, that's that's good to know. Now, another thing, we're just about out of time here, my friend, and I'll I'll extend it here a little bit. But, you know, a lot of a lot of our viewers and listeners are Canadians. And they're thinking, well, that sounds great. You know, there's there's Chris down there in Pensacola, but I'm up here in Kingston, Ontario, or Red Deer, Alberta, or 
Regina, Saskatchewan. Does this stuff work in Canada? Absolutely. I've got one of my most successful students is out of Canada. A guy named Ben Murison out of Windsor. He, he made a lot of money in my program this first year. He made, he made just, just north of $750,000 first year in my program. Now, granted, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He already had a real estate flipping business. He just didn't understand the wholesaling piece and how to find his own deals. Once he learned that, like he just doubled his business. But I've got Ryan DeLaurentis out of London. He did $350,000. I know Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Ryan, Ryan's one of my students. Nice. Yeah. Ryan did three hundred fifty thousand his first year in my program. He'll probably do seven fifty eight hundred thousand this year in my program. So he's one of my students. I have a guy named Anthony. I forget his last name. He's out of Niagara Falls. He did a couple hundred grand. Anthony in Romeo. My, what's that? Is his last name Romeo? Anthony Romeo. His dad's a big real estate guy too. Owns some apartments. Interesting. So yeah, that's cool. Small world. Small world. Yeah. But I mean, so it, it works. Does, bottom line, yes, it does work up here in Canada. Chris, if people are interested in finding out more about you, what you're up to, and, and what you do with wholesaling, what should they do? They should go to chrisrood.com. That's C H R I S Rood, R O O D.com. Book a call with my sales team. If you're interested in getting in real estate, you start with wholesaling. This, I wrote a book about this called The Source of the Deal because it makes you the source of the deal. Like, you want to be in first position and finding deals. And when you start a wholesaling business, that's what it does. It gets you unlimited access to heavily discounted off-market properties, motivated sellers. If I could do it all over again, that's where I mess up. Starting a wholesaling business is the foundation. If you ain't got that piece in, if you don't know how to find deals, you're dead in the water as a real estate investor. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. Chris, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much for sharing your, your experience and some of your wisdom too. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. All right, everybody. Take care and we'll talk to you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, thanks very much for checking out the Property Profits podcast. And if you like what we're doing here, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. We very, very much appreciate it. And if you're looking to create a regular flow of inbound investor inquiries about your real estate deals, then I invite you to attend one of my upcoming live online demonstrations. And you can check that out at InvestorAttractionDemo.com. Take care.